A nice day, a man was sitting out on his front porch with his dog. The man's rocking back and forth, enjoying the day. And yet a passerby comes by, wondering why this dog is acting so peculiar. Uh, the dog is wagging his tail and yelping and howling. And then he'll lay back his head back down. Passerby comes by and asks the man, what's wrong with your dog? I don't know if he's greeting me or he doesn't like me. He said, it has nothing to do with you. Uh, the dog is laying down on top of a nail that's halfway in and halfway out. And only when it irritates him is when he makes a shout. And then he lays back down. Well, why doesn't he move? It hasn't bothered him enough. I want to ask you, what has caused you to move? What has bothered you enough that you said, I got to make a change? What moved you to change in your life? Many of us are here because we can testify that the gospel story changed our life. Hearing of the news of Jesus that loves us and cares for us has changed us. I, I know for me, I, I can look back at the time I found out I was going to be an older brother, a big brother. I said, I need a change. I wasn't the best student in class, and I didn't wanted my little brother to look up to me like I looked to my big brother. Uh, my big brother didn't bring home bad reports like he, I did. And so I said to myself, I need a change. Uh, I want my little brother to speak highly of me as I can speak of my big brother. What was the moment in your life that you decided now is the time to change? Was it the time you went to the ATM machine and it said to you you had no funds? You decide I might want to change my spending habits. Maybe it was the time you got the progress report and you saw the grades you thought you did not have is what you did have. Maybe I need to study better. Maybe it was the time that your coworker got the promotion you applied for and found out that maybe I need to work a little bit harder. What is it in your life that caused you to realize I need to make a change? See, change involves a change of mind, a change of attitude, and a change of life. And that's where we get repentance from. Repentance is a change. A change of life, a change of attitude, a change of the way we walk, we talk, the way we live, to put away the old and grab on to something new. Repentance starts with a broken heart. It starts with a broken heart. Your prayer, one prayer you should have involved in your life is, Lord, break my heart with what breaks your heart. You want to be sensitive to what God is sensitive to. Do you know what God loves? If you know what God loves, then you know what he does not love. If you know that he loves justice, he loves mercy, he loves righteousness, then when you see injustice and you see lack of love, you see the lack of mercy, it should break your heart. 
It should not take people marching out in our community to let you know that something needs to change. We need to understand that love is in need. And God's heart has been conditioned us to, te- to know who he is. That's why he's given us the spirit. Notice here in our text, Acts 2nd chapter, verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him, to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Something pierced them, something changed them, something addressed them so great that they realized that it's time to make a change. John 16 verse 8 says, when, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. And, and when he comes, he is referring to the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the comforter, the, the present help that will be with us, the paraclete. He will convict the world of its sin. The Holy Spirit has poured out. It has come. The gospel has been preached. And all of a sudden, people got convicted because the word impacted them. The Holy Spirit will do the convicting. I want to encourage you that when you allow God to work in you, uh, when you get that that sense of guilt and the sense of hardship on your heart, that's God letting you know it's time to turn. It's time to get it right. It's time to change from how you've been living and submit and surrender as what should I do? Notice once the word hit them, they realized it demands a response. Tell your neighbor, the gospel demands a response. I know sometimes we allow ourselves to think as long as I have attendance at church, I responded to the gospel. Let me encourage you to understand that the response is 24-7. The response is every day of your life that you are to live for the Lord. They hit him that says, brothers, what? What should we do? The Holy Spirit has convicted them. Why did the Holy Spirit convict? Because the word that went forth. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than a sharpest two-edged sword. It cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You understand that you can lie to all the people around you, but God knows your heart. We, we, we understand that we can try to fool people, but God sees that, no, you're really doing it for a different motive. Your heart is far from me, but you praise me with your lips, what he said. Jesus let them know that don't, don't get caught up how they, they, they will praise you with their lips. I'm looking at the heart. Repentance starts with a broken heart. We need to break our hearts before the Lord. We need to allow God's word to hit us and and expose to us the the wickedness that is in us and and realize that he can clean us from the inside out. Because repentance leads to obedience to God's will. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. They, they, they understood that something hit them and they were wondering, like, how can I remove this feeling of shame, of guilt, 
of, of doubt and realizing I'm feeling all by myself. Jesus has, has ministered to me. We are guilty. Remember what Peter said, said you were culpable. You were part of nailing him to the cross, uh, convicting an innocent man to the cross. You were part of that along with the Gentiles that nailed him to the cross. But death could not hold him. He defeated death. He rose again. We seen it. We witnessed it. And then we saw him ascend to the Father. Hallelujah. And now this is the pouring of the Holy Spirit. Then time has come for you to get it right. And now they want to get it right. Aren't you glad that God wants us to get it right? And notice how since they want to get it right, he tells them what to do. That each one of you must what? Repent of your sins. See, our heart is heavy and burdened from the weight of sin. When we can't confess, that's that's letting us know that we are not trying to get right. We want to stay in darkness. We want to stay in judgment. We want to stay in punishment. We need to be careful that how we allow our pride to lock us down. We allow our pride to keep us in a confinement of shame and guilt because I am too good to say I'm sorry. I, I am too good to apologize and say, you know what, I haven't been acting right to you. I, I haven't been kind to you. I haven't been gentle to you. I, I, I'm too proud because what? You got to say it first. But yet, if you follow the, the gospel message, the gospel lets us know how we do we teach it to children. We teach the gospel message to the children this way. I love him because he first loved me. I want you to understand that God has called you to do it first. Too many times we want someone else to do it first, but God has called you to do it first. Go ahead and confess. Might be someone in this room that you need to confess to and say, Lord, help me to go to them and say, I have sinned against you. I've harmed you. I have not been loving towards you as you've called me to be. But God, I thank you that your grace and your mercy is sufficient. You can remove that, 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 that sharp pain from your heart. Uh, that sharp pain, that stinging pain is of death. First Corinthians fifteen fifty six fifty seven tells us, for sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But verse 57, got that but. We got like those buts in the word of God. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord. Jesus Christ. You want to remove that sharp pain, that pain, the hurt and pain of your sin, of your shame. <clears throat> Give it to Jesus. He will cleanse you. He will redeem you. He will let you know that victory of, is, is yours, that you have overcome because I have overcome. So we need to forgive. We need to seek forgiveness. We need to forgive one another. So the response he says, each of you must repent of your sins and what? Turn to God. Do you understand that the repentance involves a total transformation? That you need to turn uh, to God. Many of you uh, that have a driver's license have experienced that time of going the wrong way. And you are looking how you can just make a U-turn. You understand that you could go in another neighborhood and get your way out, but you might get lost again. So you say, well, if I know I'm going this direction and I want to go that, if I could take a quick U-turn. 
But the problem is that you, you, it's not, you cannot make a U-turn. You want to know where you can make a legal U-turn because you're not trying to get pulled over. Uh, especially when you're traveling in a new city. You don't know how it works out. Your own city, you know that I can make a U-turn when nobody stop me. But in another city, you don't know what's going on. And so you're looking for a place. Where can I make a, 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 a legal U-turn and get back in the direction I want? God wants to let you know now's the time you can turn around. Once you have confessed and said, Lord, I, I, I repent, because I want you to understand, confession is not repentance. Confession is part of repentance. So when you confess, the repentance part is that you change your attitude, you change your mind, saying, Lord, no longer will I do these things, but I'm going to do your will, things that are pleasing according to your holy will. So I will turn towards you. And you will become my source and my direction. He becomes our true north. You know what it means to be a true north? Because a compass is, has a magnetic pull. That's how they set it up for a magnetic pull. And it points north, but it doesn't point directly north. But yet, in the aspect that the magnetic pull is so strong that that compass they got, it can get you in the right direction. But they have devices to help you find the true north. To help you find the direct location. And here's the situation here that God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us find the direct location so we can be where he wants us to be. So we can be in the right place at the right time because we turn to see him. And so when you turn to him to repent, then you are baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Psalm 107, 1 and 3 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from my lands, from east and west and from north to south. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Aren't you glad you've been redeemed? And so when you understand that God has forgiven you and washed you, and then when you were baptized, it symbolized you being washed by the blood of the Lamb. And your decisions turn to God. And, and so the, notice the symbolism of the baptism, right? You. You, you change your clothes and you put on white clothes and you get into the water and, and the aspect of showing a transformation, a change of being cleansing and being brand new. We go under, symbolizes us being dead and buried with Christ. And then we come up, symbolizes us being victorious and raised with Christ. And now we are walking with Christ. And we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power to walk in his promise. So the repentance is a changed life. And so notice that what he says to them, the promises to you and to your children, to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So repentance uh, demands a response of changing our attitude and our mind, the way we walk. And part of this change is change who you live for. Uh, notice it says that save yourself from this perverse generation or this crooked generation. Uh, I, I looked in at this, I did a little bit of a word study and looking at perverse and crook. And, and think about it, right? If it's crooked, it's not 
straight. Trust the Lord in all our ways. Lean not. Do you understand? But in all the ways. And he will direct your path. New Living Translation says he'll make a crooked path straight. <laughs> Jesus says that wide is the gate and wide is the path. <laughs> that leads to destruction. <laughs> but we need to stay on, he says, stay straight on the narrow. <laughs> straight. Tell your neighbor, get straight. And so here's the problem. Think about it. How have you ever heard about hook or crook? Right? I'm going to get that by hook or crook. Basically saying either by legal or illegal manners, I'm going to get it. If someone's a crook means they're not straight, that means they will steal, lie, and kill. Hello. And so we need to be aware that this crooked generation is encouraged you to live a crooked life, not a straight life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man get to Father but through me. You can't get to Jesus crooked. Has, has anybody ever tried to use a key that was bent? And you thought it would work. And you stuck it in and you got it on. Then it kind of time to take it out. It broke off. Not straight. We need to understand that we want to be straight. Some of us take us back some time. Some of us understand how when you had a, a bent antenna, right, on, on top of the TV, you had some aluminum foil, had little Johnny had to go by and hold it for you. Johnny had to stay there for the whole show, right? <laughs> don't move, don't move. Crooked, not straight. We don't want to be crooked. We don't want to be living in, in immoral and, and unethical and, and unrighteous ways. He says, save yourself, which means that you need to make a decision today whom you're going to live for. Remember how Joshua asked them? He says, I already know y'all stiff-necked, hard-headed people, so don't lie to me. You need to choose today whom will you serve. He says, I don't know about you. But me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We want everything that God has for us. I, I can't speak for you, but we have made up our mind. We have drawn the line that, God, you are who you say you are, and we will follow you the rest of our lives. Can anybody testify you've made your decision, you've made up your mind that I'm going to leave this perverse generation and live right for the Lord? Put your trust in the Lord. The Lord will guide you and he will keep you and he will bless you. And notice the blessing comes upon you and your children and their generation. Aren't you glad that God's a blessing God? So when you're baptized into this family, you're baptized as, 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 a, as a response to the, the message and it's also the initiation into the church. And once the church was baptized, look how many were baptized. I said 3,000 were adding on to the church. This is amazing because what's happening is that the traditional Judaism has changed to Christianity. But yet, it's not known as we know it now. But it has changed. And what has changed, 3,000 new people have developed a new community within Israel. And they are spreading this gospel message that Jesus is alive. 
And part of that, look what they were devoted to all the time together. Can somebody say all the time? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. That's four things I'm going to Devotion to God's words. They were devoted each and every day to be in God's word. Oh, I got a few amens. I see why y'all struggling. I see why y'all struggling. They, now, not only were they devoted to God's word, they were also devoted to fellowshipping with the saints. I got a few more amens. Some of them know it's, it's good to be with people who love the Lord than with people who don't love the Lord. And then, then, then they were also convinced and, and, and realized the blessing of coming together and eating together, breaking bread together. And that involved a fellowship meal, but also the breaking of bread and the drinking of the cup, them having the remembrance of Jesus dying on the cross for their sins. But not only that, it says that they were caring for one another. Y'all see that there? All the believers met together and and in one place shared everything that they had. They had benevolence. They gave to those who in need. They sold what they had and gave it to someone else. And then lastly, see that there in verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. I, I, I want you to understand that they were devoted to de- the devotion, to fellowship, to communion, to service, and to worship. Uh, some of you might be familiar with the purpose-driven life. That's what he got that from the book. He didn't make that up. He got that out of the Bible. That book got it from this book, the book. And do you understand that we need to have that as a staple in our daily lives? Devotion, fellowship, communion, worship, and service. That's what God's called you to do. That's a change of life. The world has you live for yourself. Think about it. Many of these reality shows have nothing to do with service. It has everything to do with them. Think about how many of the reality shows that are the popular ones deal with service. They're dealing with who got the new clothes, new outfits, a new car, shake out my new house, my exotic vacation. It's not dealing with we fed 10,000 people today. Because nobody's going to watch that. Boring. Only come a time of a tragedy does everybody concern about who's serving. But you understand that we need to be serving each and every day. There's daily people in need to know that there's someone that loves them and cares for them. Don't get caught up. With this world that you know that it doesn't matter until there's a camera on you. Jesus is watching us. Repentance leads to unity in the community. And so when you notice that when they were coming together, they were serving together. They were filling up the gaps in the community. Sometimes we have to realize that God can use us to fill needs. If you got a sandwich, there's no need to tell somebody to go down to the soup kitchen. If you got a sandwich to give them, y'all quiet on me. If you got a bed, there's no sense for you to tell them go spend money at a hotel if they can sleep in your room. I'm hurting some people. We need to understand that we ought to be able to give and serve for the kingdom of God. Keys to the church growth stem from repentance. The church has to have their heart turns towards Christ. 
and then Christ to be our key pull and our direction to follow. Remember, he is our true north. The church has to show the love of Christ to all. So therefore, we ought to be benevolent and caring and fellowshipping with other people. And, and look at this. Look at this closely. What happened here? That we fellowship with everybody, people that are like us and not like us. That are from the same place and not from the same place. Notice what's happening here. And that it was people from many places that came. Don't, don't forget that when he started speaking the tongues, they say they're speaking our language. They were from different places. But the gospel is for all because Jesus is for all. And so, therefore, we need to realize that we need to welcome everybody that comes into this place. And, and we need to be the same way, inviting outside of these walls. So that when they do come in this place, they won't say, you weren't acting like a Christian last time I saw you. God's favor blesses his obedient church with growth. Notice that once they surrender to God, look what it says in verse 46. They worship together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while, praising God and enjoying the what? The goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were uh, being saved. Notice that they have this goodwill here. But if you go back a little bit further, go back also and look at me at verse 43. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them. All the apostles performed many miraculous signs and, and wonders. I want to highlight to us that God places goodwill on those who are doing his work, but also that goodwill is evident in the miraculous things that are happening around them. Uh, people see the movement of God by his presence. And so Second Chronicles 7.14 tells us, Then if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Doesn't that sound kind of similar to what Peter was telling them? Uh, that if you heard the word of God, you need to turn to God. Think about how you talk to someone, right? And you don't know if they're listening. You ask them what? Look at me. If you hear God, look at God. Turn to God. And, and think about, here I am. And, 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 and as I think about this, I think about the lyrics to, here I am to worship. It says, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you are my God. I want you to understand that when we repent to the Lord, it's a sign of humility, a sign of submission, but also to put us in a place of worship. Notice what they were doing. They were devoting themselves to the Word of God. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to communion. They were devoted to fellowship, and they worshiped Him each and every day. I want to encourage you that in your daily prayer life, they say, if you are praying to God each and every day, it's easy to have devotion time because you can read over the Word and pray over the Word. You can sing a psalm or, 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 or worship God through a psalm, through prayer there's many ways that we need to have that a daily aspect of your life and say lord help me because i'm living this perverse generation and i want to be changed by your grace and by by your mercy i want to live for you so here i am has the the gospel message pierced your heart has it has impacted you and i want to encourage you that it, it, it should be a, a consistent 
piercing of your heart. And the reason why, because we have not been totally saved yet. Uh, I want you to understand that he's coming back again. And when he comes back in, that'll be the completion of our salvation. Because when he comes back again, there'll be no more death. You understand? There'll be no more death. Death is still here. But when he comes back, death will be defeated. And so while we're still here, we can bless his name and worship him because we've been redeemed. And we won't know death as some know death because we know the power of the resurrection. He, and so when we know he's the power of the resurrection, we realize I don't live for this world. This world is going to be thrown away. But I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to talk with him. I'm going to serve him because one of these mornings you may look for me and I'll be gone over in glory. And so I want to encourage you to be repentful right now saying Lord I'm sorry for living for me but not living for you but you are Lord you are Christ you are exalted you are lifted high you are my God you are the awesome God the mighty God and I will serve you the rest of my life so open your heart up to him open yourself to him and let him come into your heart Let him come into your heart. Surrender to him. Let us pray. Lord, we surrender.